Active 911 is proud to partner with the Code 3 podcast. Active 911 designs technology for first responders to help heroes save lives. Learn more at active911.com. We are a multi-generational workforce today, and we're going to have to learn how to uh, how to adapt. We can't expect uh, our folks to adapt to us. We have to adapt to them. Angeles. This is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast, hosted by award-winning journalist Scott Orr. Now, here's Scott. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me today for another edition of Code 3. This is the show that gives you all the information on a firefighting topic you need in about 20 minutes. Let's get started. If you're thinking you'd like to try for a company officer position or to move up to a chief officer position, I have a question for you. Who has been your example for how you should lead? I ask this because the leadership landscape has changed over the last few years. Even in my business, TV news, I was once told that you can't just tell people to jump and expect them to ask, how high, anymore. So you can imagine that the old ways of being in charge in the fire service aren't really appreciated anymore. But people are slow to change their ways. And if you're working with a salty officer who became a firefighter 15 or 20 years ago, you might be seeing a bad example and not even realize it. That's why I'm talking with today's guest. Sal Scarpa believes we can lead today's younger firefighters in better ways than simply barking commands at them. Sal is the fire EMS chief for Columbus, Georgia. He's also the emergency management agency director for Columbus and Muskogee County. He's been in the fire service over 30 years, having worked in Kansas City as well as Shawnee, Kansas, and the North Kansas City, Missouri Fire Department. And Sal Scarpa joins me now. Welcome to Code 3. Thank you, sir. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. It's good to have you. So let's talk about leadership. How do fire officers working now have to be different than those who were, let's say, in the 1980s? I'm a big believer that the company officer is by far the most critical position in daily operations of America's fire service. But I think what differs today than perhaps in the 1980s is the expectations of our officers have changed. Uh, The rules have changed. The the environment we operate in uh, has changed. So uh, you know, we typically have the kind of an internal and an external role, you know, external being focused on our on our community. Uh, but at the end of the day, our community is changing. There's changes in the workforce. We're multi-generational today. Societal changes, economic changes have yielded new threats. You know, we have social unrest, cyber terrorism. The pandemic certainly a big thing. Uh, and there's a greater expectation of transparency from, from in government. So for, for us to keep pace, for our company officers to keep pace, 
we have to evolve to those changing demands of the department and the communities we serve. We have to be, we have to enhance our interpersonal skills. We have to embrace efforts in diversity, equity, and inclusion. And we have to educate our newest firefighters. Our, our young firefighters are, are wanting to know the why, and I think it's okay to tell them that. Uh, and I think we have to embrace a, a new, higher standard of accountability. The way chief and company officers are expected to relate to line firefighters is certainly different. Do you think it's better or worse than the old days, in the old ways? I think it's more challenging. I think, uh, I don't know that I'd say better or worse. I think it's more challenging. I think there's a, uh, in the older days and the older ways, there's kind of an expectation of a very militaristic mindset in the fire service, which was great and it worked very well. But as our, as our culture has changed, as our fire service has changed and our fire service members have changed, we have to adapt and, 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 and be, be dynamic in that response. And so, I don't say that's better or worse. I just say it's different and probably more challenging. Now, some guys who have been around for a couple of decades are going to mumble under their breath about snowflakes these days who can't hack the fire service. How do you address that? I think if we if we knew what our predecessors probably said about us, they might have said the same thing. Uh, and I, I think it's important to remember that each generation is a little bit different. And I think that they bring the folks today bring a different skill set than perhaps we did back then. I think uh, our older firefighters who've been around for a few decades were certainly much more hands-on and much more world uh, worldly worldly in their experience. Whereas today, perhaps we don't have that as much. We have folks who are techie, uh, and we live in a technological age, so that's to be expected a little bit. So uh, I think we just have to be careful about. Uh, how we judge our new folks. You said there were two basic roles that officers need to fill, internal and external. What are the differences in those? You know, there's a, there's a formal piece and there's an informal piece. The internally formal piece is, you know, leading training exercises, organizing daily responsibilities, directing tasks, doing performance evaluations. Uh, the informal piece is kind of that, you know, being that role model for, for younger firefighters or emulating values and expectations of the organization, serving as that, that coach or that confidant for members and, and setting the tone for the, for, for the station. The external role uh, is more, there's two types. There's the response oriented, which to me is, is all about emergency response operations. And all of our listeners are perhaps familiar with that. And that's what they think of probably first when they think of the role. Absolutely. And because that's, that's what we that's why we get into these 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 roles, right? Because that's that's what we want to do. We want to be really good at it. But there's also the non-response oriented for our external piece, and that's participating in those community engagement efforts or facility inspections and pre-planning and, and tabletop exercises, public relation efforts. At the end of the day, our, our officers represent their departments in all of these endeavors, internal, external, response-oriented, not response-oriented. And so we have to uh, kind of a whole package to the table. If I had to guess, I would say that internal skills or the internal role is where the things have changed the most. Would you agree with that? I, I would agree. I, I definitely would agree. I think uh, the, the expectation of officers today, my expectation for my officers really focuses on this role and being that mentor and being that coach and setting the tone and the example, as well as holding, you know, our folks accountable, as well as doing the typical, the tasks and leading the exercises. But I agree with you 100%. It has changed and is perhaps the most 
uh, critical change. So internally, what are the soft skills an officer needs to work on honing? Let's see. Internally, I'd say we have to be cognizant of, of things like, you know, bring those interpersonal skills. You know, for a long time, fire service was very good at, at giving direction and expecting compliance. And that's, we still need that to a fair, for, to a fair extent. But we also need to have interpersonal skills where it doesn't always have to be at the fire station, you know, kind of my way or the highway. I think there's room or opportunity for a more collaborative approach. And I think certainly when we work with our neighbors, we have to be a bit more collaborative. How do you deal with generational differences where the younger firefighter needs to know why something is being done and is encouraged to question it, let's say during training? but you don't want him to question it the same way on the fire ground. So how do you make that clear that at some point you've got to say, uh, because I said so, now get in there? Right. It, and I think you're absolutely right. There has to be a distinction when it's when lives are on the line and when, when the situation is dire, it has to be my way or the highway or this is what I said, do go do it. When it's, when it's not a critical situation, uh, we need to be cognizant of the fact that our folks do bring value to the table, and it's okay for them to ask why. And I, I think our biggest fear as officers and leaders is we always felt when somebody asked why, it was, they were questioning our authority. Uh, today, when these young folks are asking why, they're really not questioning the authority of, of their leader. They just want to know the reason. And if you give them the answer, the, 99% of the time, They'll go on and do whatever you ask them to do. So defining that distinction between emergency role and it has to be now uh, and not emergency role is critical. Okay. So the world of firefighting is changing really fast. But you know this profession loves its traditions, and they work hard to keep them in place. How do you reconcile tradition versus new leadership in the real world? That, that's a great question. Scott, I think we as a fire service have to embrace our traditions and hold on to them. That's what makes the fire services built on tradition and history. And we have a rich tradition of history within our service, and there's a lot of things we need to hold on to. Uh, we also need to recognize that the world around us is changing, and what, what worked perhaps 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago may not work as effectively today. And if we want to remain relevant uh, in the eyes of uh, the bean counters and, and those folks who are uh, in charge of of local government and in charge of our finances, we have to figure out what those what those changes need to be and embrace those. Otherwise, we're going to get relegated as irrelevant. And so I think it's important to, I think you can do both. I think you can sustain uh, and maintain the history and traditions of the fire service while still, while still engaging in, uh, in, in being a more modern practitioner of what we do. I'll be back with more right after this. Looking to decrease your response times? With Active Alert, get calls straight to your phone from dispatch via the app. Available for Android, iPhones, and tablets. Plus, get directions to the scene. Have all CAD notes in one place. See who's responding. And quickly identify nearby map markers like hydrants and free plans. With a low per-device price, Active Alert is a must-have tool for first responders. See for yourself why it's trusted by thousands of firefighters nationwide. Start your free trial today at active911.com.
when I look at this picture, I see firefighters who are approaching retirement age who have a different attitude than the younger ones. But what I'm wondering is, are there younger firefighters in your experience who are trying to hold on to the traditions that they've been taught were smart to use, even though they may not be in today's world? Yeah, I think there are some some young folks who recognize the value of those traditions. And I think that's important because our young folks, to quite honestly, are our future, right? They're our next generation of officers and chief officers. And so if if they're keen enough to recognize the importance of those traditions and the value that they hold in the fire service, we have to be able to recognize the importance of those things as well and and embrace those things and and give those folks a voice, give those folks an opportunity to participate in the tomorrow uh, because they are they're tomorrow's leaders. In your opinion, how has the current crop of leaders dealt with PTSD related problems as opposed to the old days? Uh, I think our new officers uh, recognize PTSD perhaps a bit more and are a little bit more adept at talking about it and, and for more feel freer to talk about those things, whereas in the past, perhaps that was um, maybe shunned, shunned upon. Yeah, they, they were told to suck it up, buttercup. Yeah, and, and I think, the, I think that, that mindset has changed, uh, and I think that's a, a good thing. But we need to recognize, you know, at the end of the day, our folks are only as good as their mental capacity to do their job. And if they're not capable of functioning because they're stressed out or they're overworked or they're, they're suffering from, from PTSD effects, uh, they're not going to be as effective on the street. And so we need to be able, we as a fire service, communities that embrace the fire service, have to support our folks and recognize when they need help and get them the help they need. What are some of the biggest changes you've seen that officers, whether they're company officers or chief officers, need to accept and deal with? Uh, I think some of the biggest changes that our officers need to embrace are the fact that we are a multi-generational workforce today and we're going to have to learn how to to adapt. We can't expect uh, our folks to adapt to us. We have to adapt to them. I think that's that's probably first and foremost. The other thing is we have to be a little bit more proactive and be cognizant of the fact that the world around us is changing faster than it did in the decades before us. And so we have to be able to pivot and change and respond to the new and emerging threats that we perhaps didn't deal with in the past. Three years ago, nobody was talking about pandemics or nobody was talking about Zoom calls or anything like that. And here we are today, you know, I don't want to say we're, we're over the pandemic. We're probably still in the midst of it to some degree, but we have to look, be looking down the pipe and over the horizon at what's the next big challenge. Do you feel like to some extent that's been a problem in the past, adjusting to the changes of the new challenges? I do. To some extent, we've, we've as the fire service has been uh, a much more reactive workforce and uh, that's somehow some part of it by necessity. We have to be able to react and, and respond to anything that happens. And we need to maintain that mindset, but we can also be proactive and start looking at things that are coming down the pike and preparing ourselves for those things. Uh, and I think there's a little bit of strategic planning there, but there's also an element of recognizing that we don't know what's around the corner. And so we have to do it can leaders to prepare our people in our communities for, for the next biggest threat. 
Uh, and that's there's a lot of preparation that goes involved in that. There's a lot of education. Uh, and quite honestly, the, the skill set of our officers needs to be uh, reflective of that. We've talked about a lot of subjects that are kind of ambiguous. So let's get specific for a moment. Okay. If I'm getting ready to take the exam to promote to a company officer, let's say, what should I be doing other than studying the manuals to prepare for real life? I'm hoping that my company officers, are, other than studying the, the material that we're giving them, are, are thinking about kind of a little bit bigger picture. They're, they're focused on what's, what's my role, not only in, in my company but, or in my division, but in, my, in the department and in the community. What is the, what is the role of the fire service in the community? And thinking about what value can I bring? So if I'm a firefighter and I'm looking to become a company officer and I'm a company officer looking to become a, a chief officer, you know, instead of what doing the same old, same old, so to speak, what new things can we be thinking about that could, that could benefit not only the department, but the community? And those are the kind of things I love to hear about in the interviews and things that our folks are bringing to the table that perhaps we haven't thought of. As chief officers, we think we're very educated and very intelligent. Uh, and, and most of our folks truly are. Uh, but at the end of the day, we don't know what we don't know. And our folks out in the field know a great deal. And we have to harvest that talent and their ability. Uh, and so I'm all about letting those folks bring up some some new ideas, some new concepts, some new, some new program, bring that to the table, share that uh, as an ambition, uh, something that they want to pursue if they get promoted to whatever rank it is, uh, and, and see where that falls. All right, some good advice. Sal Scarpa, thanks for talking with me today on Code 3. Thank you, sir. I appreciate the opportunity today. Thank you so much. And there is more about Sal's views on leadership in the fire service on our website at Code3Podcast.com slash new leaders. All one word, new leaders. It's worthwhile reading, so take a look. Hey, do me a favor. Tell a firefighter who's preparing to promote about this episode. It's a great way to get more people to listen to the show, so I'd really appreciate it. And maybe they will, too. All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more, and I hope you'll join me. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, stay safe. To contact us, get more information on today's show, or to subscribe to the podcast, go to Code3Podcast.com.